Kiora, and welcome to Walking the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your hosts. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining us today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Picture this. It's been a really long day. You're exhausted and finally managed to drag yourself into your bed for some much needed sleep. You're so tired that you have no problems falling asleep. Usually you sleep right through the night with no issues whatsoever and you expect tonight will be no different. In fact, you don't even give it a second thought. But tonight is different, way different. You wake up in the middle of the night and in the darkness of your room you're suddenly aware that you cannot move your body, only your eyes. And worse, you become aware of a presence in the darkness watching you like a predator watches their prey. Fear suddenly grips you when you instantly become aware of a weight on your chest pressing you down in your bed. But you're helpless to do anything. Your whole body is paralysed, but your eyes are straining to see in the dark, straining to see what it is that is holding you down. You can't even call for help, even though your partner is right next to you, sleeping peacefully, or you have family or flatmates sleeping nearby. You can't see what or who is pressing on your body, your chest. It's too dark, but you can feel the presence in your room, something very malignant and frightening. And worse, you can hear a raspy breathing sound and you can smell a repugnant odour. You strain to free yourself of whatever is holding you captive. You scream for help, but no one can hear you. No one knows the utter terror you're experiencing because no sound escapes your lips. After what feels like forever, you can finally wiggle your little finger and whatever was holding you down vanishes as quickly as it appeared. You're wide awake now and lying there in absolute terror and utterly exhausted. After a couple of minutes, the feeling of panic passes and you're able to get up out of bed and turn your light on, wondering what on earth just happened to you. Sleep eludes you for the rest of the night. Riding the witch, otherwise known as the old hag syndrome, night terrors, or you may know it by the more modern term of sleep paralysis. It's a very terrifying, very real experience. One where people all describe horrific feelings of waking and being unable to move. Sometimes they smell things, see beings, feel a very malevolent presence, or feel as though they are being choked. Almost all feel as though they are being held down, many with pressure on their chests. In this episode, we're going to delve into the shadowy realms of the night terrors. But the question is, 
Are you willing to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Then let's begin. Folklore around the world has for centuries linked the symptoms of sleep paralysis with visits from supernatural creatures and this particular experience goes by many different names in different countries. Wikipedia gives a pretty exhaustive list, some of which are, in Arab cultures she is known as Jathom, in Brazil, Pisadiera, while closer to New Zealand and Fiji the experience is known as Kana Tavor. In Turkey, it's known as Karabasan. In China, Ming Yan. In Nigeria, Ogun Oru. In Scandinavia, she is Mia, from which the word nightmare comes into existence. Whilst in Iceland, Greece and Cyprus, she's called Mara and Mora, respectively. In Scandinavia, she's called Amutadori. So long as there's been a written history or folklore around the world, there have been stories and descriptions of sleep paralysis. Very often in these stories, the descriptions of sleep paralysis have been linked to visits from supernatural otherworldly beings such as witches, ghosts, jinn, genies and supernatural sexual entities called incubus and succubus. However, in this episode we are not focusing on the incubus and succubus, which is another entirely different episode coming up next season. During these episodes they all describe the really scary, terrifying even, experience of being not able to move upon waking, of sensing and sometimes seeing beings, an old hag in particular. They describe feelings of being choked or held down or feeling as though they have a tremendous pressure or someone sitting on their chest. I've personally experienced sleep paralysis twice in my life. Both times I was in my early 20s. The first time was a classic old hag experience. I was staying over at my boyfriend's parents' home, so of course we were in separate rooms. This was over 40 years ago. I was unfamiliar with the space. It was the first time I'd actually stayed there. And at the time, I was dealing with some post-traumatic stress, but I didn't realise this until many years later. I woke up suddenly in the middle of the night with difficulty breathing and feeling the weight of somebody sitting on my chest. A literal somebody sitting on my chest. I quickly realised I couldn't move. I was terrified. The only thing I could do was open my eyes and I was scared to because there was a feeling in the room of utter malevolence, of something that hated me so, so desperately and wanted to do me harm. After a brief pause to gather my courage, I opened my eyes and to my horror, there was a very wicked nasty looking woman sitting on my chest who just exuded malevolence and hatred and well actually she was more sort of crouched on my chest looking right into my eyes stringy hair crooked nose missing teeth and her nails were very talon-like on her bony fingers 
The teeth she had were very sharp looking, smelt really bad. Inside, I was screaming my head off, asking for people, yelling for help. But only a whimper was escaping my lips. I was screaming, so terrified. She just sat on my chest, laughing at my terror and discomfort. And I remember that laugh. It was really a cackly, stereotypical witch-type laugh. So she just sat on my chest laughing at my tear and discomfort. I can't remember how long the episode lasted or how it ended. I do know it felt like forever. I do remember feeling utterly exhausted and drenched in sweat from the experience. I didn't really sleep for the rest of that night. I was just too scared. It actually took me days, days before I was able to go to sleep properly without worrying that I'd see her again. And in all these 40-odd years, I've never forgotten the feeling of terror and utter helplessness that this experience left me with. In 2015, an article in the Journal of the Royal Society of Medicine stated, the first clinical description of sleep paralysis was published in 1664 in a Dutch physician's case histories, where it was referred to as incubus of the nightmare. This physician gives a very good description of this patient's experience. He states, In the night time when she was composing herself to sleep, she sometimes believed the devil lay upon her and held her down, sometimes that she was choked by a great dog or thief lying upon her breast so that she could hardly speak or breathe, and when she endeavoured to throw off the burthen, she was not able to stir her members, and while she was in that strife, sometimes with great difficulty, she awoke of herself, sometimes her husband hearing her make a doleful, inarticulate voice. The article also stated that in 1977 it was discovered more than a hundred previously healthy people, mostly men whose ages averaged at about 33 years of age and who were from various Southeast Asian communities, had died mysteriously in their sleep. The individuals affected were dying at a rate of 92 out of 100,000 people. From Sudden Unexpected Nocturnal Death Syndrome, SUNS. Despite extensive medical research and testing, no underlying cause was ever found. The community that was most severely affected was immigrant Loatian Hmong men. I remember reading about this at the time it was happening and being utterly fascinated by it, saddened for the families of the victims, but fascinated at how this could possibly have occurred. One particular study that was done on these deaths observed a link between sleep paralysis in this particular group, which was roughly two to four times higher than that of the general population that these people belonged to. One explanation by the local medical fraternity in the country attributed the death to the nightmare. It was postulated, quote, that the nightmare is not a bad dream, but rather, in traditional terms, the nocturnal visit of an evil being that threatens to press the very life out of its terrified victim, end quote. They felt that a cultural belief in the dab sog, which is where a spirit sits on the chest of the victim and takes all of their breath along with stress, was possibly a cause for all these deaths which very likely is the first in the medical community. But does sleep paralysis have psychological or spiritual causes?
Let's take a brief look at some scientific research on the subject. Firstly, how widespread is sleep paralysis amongst the general population? According to a 2011 scientific review, where researchers put a total of 35 sleep paralysis studies together to find out how many people experienced it at least once in their lifetime, the numbers broke down like this. About 7.6% of the then world's population has or will experience at least one episode of sleep paralysis in their lifetimes. The review also noted that there was a higher incidence of this happening among students and psychiatric patients, especially those who had post-traumatic stress or panic disorders. Specifically, 28.3% of the students in the studies and 31.9% of psychiatric patients. There are a number of sleep disorders and issues that can feature or can cause sleep paralysis, particularly narcolepsy, which is a condition where the person suffers from excessive sleepiness, sleep attacks at the drop of the head, and oftentimes a sudden lack of muscle control. Also, they can often suffer from hallucinations with the sleep attacks. Other disorders that can cause this are other sleep issues such as sleep apnea, insomnia as in Rhiannon's case later in this episode, and nocturnal leg cramps. Other health factors such as hypertension, seizure disorders are also associated with sleep paralysis episodes, substance abuse and medication use, jet lag, student status, shift work and associated changing sleep patterns. So there are a number of physical reasons that scientists state can cause this experience. Finally, they also say a person's personality and anomalous beliefs can play a part as well. If these hallucinations happen when a person is falling asleep, they are called hypnagogic hallucinations. If they happen upon waking, they are called hypnopompic hallucinations. Where a person suffers from sleep paralysis without having narcolepsy, then this is called isolated sleep paralysis, or ISP. Or if it happens repeatedly, it's called recurrent isolated sleep paralysis. Medical professionals and scientists studying this disorder generally agree that sleep paralysis is a neurological, physiological disorder rather than anything actually paranormal in basis. They say that sleep paralysis is more to do with your sleep cycle and that it comes out of a disrupted REM sleep phase. For those listeners who do not know or have not heard of sleep cycles before, there are four general stages that we go through in our sleep cycles, day or night. Here's a brief description of the four stages. Stage one, wake. This is where you change over from wakefulness to sleep. This period generally lasts a short time, several minutes mostly, although it can feel like forever when you're laying there trying to go to sleep. Stage two, light sleep. This period of light sleep always happens before you enter the deeper phase of sleep. In this period, your heartbeat and your breathing slows, your muscles relax even more, and your brain waves begin to change from their daytime wakefulness patterns into a more relaxed, meditative type of state. Stage 3. 
deep sleep. This is the period of sleep that's so essential for us, so we feel refreshed and alert in the morning. Generally, this occurs in longer periods during the first half of the night. During this time, your heartbeat and breathing slow to their lowest levels during sleep, and your muscles are very, very relaxed. It can be really hard to wake people in this stage of sleep. Stage 4, REM sleep. This stage happens about 90 minutes after you fall asleep. Your eyes move rapidly from side to side behind closed lids. Mixed frequently brainwave activity comes closer to that scene in wakefulness. Breathing becomes faster and irregular. Heart rate and blood pressure increase to almost waking level. This is also the stage of sleep when most of us dream, although some can happen in non-REM sleep. Arm and leg muscles are temporarily paralysed, which prevents you from sleepwalking or acting out your dreams. REM sleep is still being studied by neuroscientists who don't fully understand its total function. We can repeat these stages many times during the night, but most people tend to spend more time in stage 2 sleep than in other sleep stages. Scientists speculate that sleep paralysis arises out of a disrupted REM cycle. When a person has an episode of sleep paralysis, they become paralysed for a matter of seconds or minutes, although it can feel like a lifetime to the person experiencing it, as you'll hear later in this episode. This commonly happens as they are falling asleep or waking up. Whilst in this paralysed state, many people have vivid hallucinations. Often people who have these experiences will describe sensing or seeing an evil presence or demon in the room with them, depending on their religious persuasion or their spiritual beliefs. In a study published in a journal called Sleep Medicine in 2019, the article called Clinical Features of Isolated Sleep Paralysis has this to say, quote, Hallucinations of the presence of others were relatively common. Specifically, 57.84% of the samples sensed a presence in the room with them during ISP, and the majority believed it to be a non-human presence. In addition, 21.62% of the sample experienced visual hallucinations of others, with the majority perceiving strangers as opposed to known individuals. A panoply of supernatural paranormal entities were reported by the 24.32% of participants who hallucinated non-human beings. A minority of individuals with ISP experienced clinically significant distress, 10.27%, and or impairment, 7.57%, as a result of the episodes. The article concludes with, ISP episodes were complex and often multisensorial experiences, and the majority of the assessed symptoms were associated with clinically significant levels of fear or distress. End quote. So, fear factor aside for the experiences, these episodes are nothing to laugh at and can be extremely distressing and traumatizing to those who experience them. To recap, 58% of experiences sense a presence in the room, usually non-human. 22% actually saw a person in the room, usually someone unknown to the person. 
So those are the scientific and medical explanations for sleep paralysis. But is every case of sleep paralysis actually caused by physical factors or is there a spiritual or otherworldly component to all of this? I'm not here to persuade or convince you one way or the other. I'm merely here to share current understanding by some and beliefs of others. Who's to say it's not a combination of both? researching for this episode I put up a post in my Walk in the Shadowlands Facebook group asking if members had experiences of this that they'd be willing to share with you all. I was completely unprepared for the amount of members who responded in the group and privately via messages or emails to me. Let's hear some of their experiences. This is Rhiannon. My name is Rhiannon. I live in Auckland in New Zealand. And when I was about 16, I had what I later learned was called sleep paralysis. At the time, I had no idea what it was. Um, and quite frankly, it was one of the most terrifying things I've ever experienced. I would not wish it on anyone. So around about the same time, I'd had a few different experiences around, especially in my, my house, in my room but also a friend's place. So we would hear people walking in the hallway at nighttime 
I have seen door shaking with no reason to see a door shaking. There's nothing behind it, nothing like that. I'd also felt presences around me, you know, sort of someone over my shoulder turning around. There was no one there. And at the time I had insomnia quite badly as well. So I would be up until sort of three or four in the morning. But all of those things sort of combined to, you know, I didn't really want to go to sleep. So eventually I would sort of, I suppose, pass out of exhaustion at around three or four in the morning. And this one time I was, I must have dozed off and I woke up and I felt what could only really be described as a giant boulder sitting on my chest or someone pushing their entire body weight down on my chest. And I had no idea what was happening. I was convinced something was attacking me. I couldn't explain anything. And I desperately, desperately tried to scream, but there was nothing. There was no noise. I couldn't, I could feel myself trying to scream. I know my mouth was open, but there was nothing there. I... reliving the experience I don't even know if I was actually able to open my eyes I don't remember seeing anything it was an absolute I I was paralyzed I could not move there was my my arms was I couldn't move my arms I couldn't move my legs nothing and I have I have no idea how long I was like that it could have been five minutes but it could have been 30 seconds It, it I don't yeah have any concept of time around that instance, all I remember was at one point leaping out of my bed, running into my parents' room. And obviously my parents had no idea what was going on. I was still having trouble getting my words out. Like my voice was still quite hoarse, maybe would be the right way to describe it. And yeah, I I only learned in the last few years what sleep paralysis was. And up until then, I still had no idea what it was. And I was terrified it would happen again. Luckily for me, it hasn't. But yeah, quite scary. (laughs) Hope never to experience it again. This is Kim. My sleep paralysis started after my dog died. I asked for a visit. After that, I'd hear humming drums and static. I'd be awake but couldn't move awful feeling and I can swear up and down I had something tap me on my head. The worst was when I seen something lean over me from the side of the bed. Anon. I have had only one experience with sleep paralysis. I was a teenager. One night I was laying in bed and had drifted to sleep. I woke up on my back and I never sleep on my back. I couldn't move a muscle. It was even hard to breathe. When I opened my eyes, there were many, many red eyes looking down at me. I couldn't tell you how many because I couldn't count them. They were moving so fast all above me. They looked like what seemed to be black, wispy figures flying amongst each other, all tangled up but not connected. I don't know how to describe it. For about 10 seconds, I felt extreme fear. Then suddenly, I felt anger. I don't know how to describe it. Something within me changed and I felt this anger inside of me. I began to feel almost like a warrior. I closed my eyes and began praying. I almost wanted this challenge, even though I don't know if that is what it was. I really don't know what it was, but I felt challenged and embraced it. I wish I was better with words, but anyway, I kept praying and finally began to feel peace. I wasn't angry anymore and my body began to feel light again. When I opened my eyes, the red eyes were gone. I've never had sleep paralysis again. Christina, I used to suffer from this a lot. I haven't had an episode this year, thank God. 
I'd be asleep and then it felt like something or someone else was in the room holding me down every time the same thing. I felt wide awake, my partner asleep beside me. I'd try to grab him and shake him to wake him up. I even tried screaming out to him, but nothing would work. I felt like I was moving in very slow motion. One important thing I do remember is that my head felt like it had pins and needles from my forehead up. It was a horrible sensation. I got to the point where I was too scared to go to bed at night, so I used to sleep on the couch. And it used to happen there as well. So, instead of being on my own when it occurred, I decided to go back to bedroom. I don't know why it happens. Amy When it comes to sleep paralysis, it's always the same triangle hooded shape that moves towards me. And I feel it's not right, not good. As it gets closer, it suddenly moves up my body and it's on me. I can't breathe. All I feel is an evil presence. I'm trying to scream and am struggling. Usually around this time, my ex would start shaking me as I was screaming or trying to scream loudly. My name's Lee. I'm from Manchester in the UK and I've had sleep paralysis quite a few times over the years, Um, mainly in my 20s and 30s. Um, There's a couple of times that really, really stand out where I've had vivid memories of things that have happened. So generally it used to start with just an ominous feeling in the room, just the air around the room would change and it would just feel different, like there was a presence there. And then... It was just odd. You just feel pinned to the bed where you couldn't move. Um, I didn't feel like there's a weight on top of me. I just felt fixed and have this really, really kind of scared feeling that I couldn't control what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. I'd try and shout out and nothing would come out. It would just be really, really quiet, if that makes sense. It was um, just a really, really strange strange thing where I couldn't I could hear the voice coming out but I couldn't because it wasn't reaching volume for anybody to come and help it was it was odd the two vivid ones I really remember are just the sound of like a really loud washing kind of like you'd stick your head outside of an airplane when it was flying and it would just be this really really loud noise going on in your head but it was just just weird um and then after that it would be a case of it's really hard to describe. It's, you'd be, I'd be somewhere else that I've never been before. And the two that I really remember were really, really vivid because it was it was like, um, I don't know, just like something out of a, a sci-fi movie where you'd be in a war-type scenario um, and just moving very quickly through something and there'd be things going on around. You'd hear explosions and see things and vaguely remember seeing people. Um, but couldn't recollect what they looked like it seemed like that had gone on for hours and then the next thing I know is the whooshing had come again and then I'd kind of wake up and I'd wake up in a pool of sweat on the bed it'd be really really strange but a really frightful experience other times it's happened I've not had anything vivid like that I can't recall what's happened I remember hearing the noise I know that there's been some sort of a dream but I've never been able to recall it but I'd be able to feel when it was coming on in the fact that I'd feel awake when it was happening. Um, and I feel that 
it was uncontrollable. I couldn't stop what was happening. I just feel that I was awake and I was looking around, but I couldn't move. It's just, um, and the partner had been in the bed next to me, had been sh- like shouting, trying to, to wake the partner up, but nothing obviously was coming out and I couldn't move and I couldn't nudge them to wake them up. Um, I'm 42 now. Um, I think the last time I had one was about three, four years ago. Anon. The second time, it was as if the demonic entity was focusing on my baby. I was pregnant with her at the time. I then woke as I felt extreme pressure on my tummy and I couldn't move or talk or do anything, but I could sense the figure on top of me like a big mass of heavy energy. It felt like a massive weight was slowly pinning my neck down, also choking, and I couldn't breathe very well. It felt like it was drawn to my baby mostly. I could feel the energy as if it was communicating it wanted my baby. Jazz. When I was around 11, I had changed my bed so there was no wall behind my head, just a cupboard door about a metre away. I woke up to a ringing noise and whispering in my ear and then my whole body froze. I tried screaming out to my mum but I couldn't. I had one of those mosquito nets around my bed and when I looked up it was caving in from the side as if the wind were blowing it. Then it just went away and never happened again. The second time it happened, I was on holiday in Thailand and the TV was on. I was drifting off to sleep. I started feeling my body go numb and this ringing noise. So I opened my eyes and I saw these two children at the end of the bed but the TV wasn't on now. They had almost black holes as faces and rose vines started growing up towards me on the bed. I tried talking, but I couldn't, and I eventually shook it off and turned to my boyfriend at the time and asked him if he saw what had just happened. He said no, he was just watching TV. I don't know if this is sleep paralysis at all, but I feel like when I'm sleeping, I know it's going to happen. It's happened a few times since then, but nothing crazy ever happens. I just have a massive adrenaline rush of feeling and a ringing noise feeling in my head. My whole body is frozen during them, and I can't make a noise, no matter how hard I try. Luella. I've had it happen two or three times. I woke up in the middle of the night and thought I heard someone knock on the door or or on the walls somewhere in our house. And I remember thinking, that sounded like someone knocking at the door, but it's the middle of the night and I was facing away from our bedroom door. Then I felt a hand run down my head with a lot of pressure, like stroking my hair really slowly. My eyes flew open. I couldn't move at all. I felt my partner beside me and I was heavy breathing. He sleeps through anything, but I was trying to get his attention that there was someone in our house. But obviously I couldn't move or speak. I felt this overwhelming fear wash over me and then it all stopped as quickly as it began, but it felt like forever. I was still frozen in place for maybe five or ten minutes after it happened and I started crying because it was the most terrifying experience of my life. I'm pretty prone to bad dreams but that was something I'd never experienced before. Annalise I've had sleep paralysis quite a lot in my more recent years. Usually it happens when I'm severely depressed. I often wake to a tall black figure standing at my bed. I cannot move. Usually try to scream for someone to wake me because I know what's about to happen. I usually get strangled. Sometimes when sleeping on my stomach, he sits on my back and pulls at my neck backward. During this, I can feel hands around my neck and struggle for breath. 
This man visits when at my house and when I'm at my partner's house. It's a black dog that rips my face to shreds. I feel the pain of it also. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Well, my name's Alice. I've had sleep paralysis, I would say, ever since I was in high school. It's never really been scary to me. I've always, like, you know, when you get stuck in that position, you know you're eventually going to come out of it. But, I mean, I feel like I always hear stuff. It always feels like there's somebody there. But I've never, like, seen anything, you know. But um, the scariest one I had, it happened about 3 a.m. roughly. I was sleeping next to my husband. And um, I woke up in the middle of the night. And most if I usually do have this sleep paralysis, it happens early morning hours, like after the sun has already like froze everything. But this happened about 3am. I woke up, couldn't move. I knew I was in sleep paralysis, just lay there. Eventually, you know, it all come out of it. And um, so I'm just laying there and it, I do get kind of scared because I don't like the feeling of not being able to move, not being able to talk, or scream or anything. But again, I've experienced it before. So I just, you know, kind of wanted to ride it out. And as I was laying there, I start. I, I felt like somebody was standing behind me because I had my back turned towards the, um, like t- towards my husband. So when my back was open towards the other edge of the bed, where you know something could be standing there, or anybody, I felt like there was something there. Like it just, it was just a, such a deep feeling that like there was just someone standing there. But before or after that, I started hearing static and it was started out really low static like on a radio it was just straight static it was very low sounding then it started getting louder and louder and it was like just like piercing my ear it sounded like someone had a radio up to my ear and just had it turned cranked up just straight static and I'm like well this is really weird because I don't really usually have like any like auditory anything that happens when I do have paralysis so I was like well this is getting weird and I was starting to get kind of scared at that point and then I start you know kind of feeling that there is somebody there behind me and it was just such a crazy feeling I've never felt it like that intense before so as the static like going in my ear I hear something over the static and it sounds there's like somebody talking to me and it sounds like like almost like a man but it was so hard to understand anything but there I mean it's it something came over the static and it sounded like it was right behind me. It wasn't coming like out of the radio sounds. It was like something that was right behind me. And it, it sounded like it asked me two questions, like in that tone, but I could not understand at all what was being said. So, and then about that time, it, like by that second question, the static starts just kind of drifting away. I'm, I'm scared to death at this point. Like I'm trying to like just shake myself, get up out of it. I'm trying to scream. You can't scream. So, and about that time, I just kind of slipped slowly out of the paralysis. I was able to move. I woke up in extreme fear though. Like I had my husband get up. He went, I had him check the house because I was convinced that there was somebody in the house and I don't get scared of stuff like that. I mean, I have, I've had weird stuff happen and everything like that, but I have never, ever felt something like that before ever. And it, it just, it scares me. And like, now I get scared to ever have sleep paralysis again, just after what happened that night. These experiences that have been shared with us today all have commonalities to them. All of the experiences were left shaken and disturbed. 
But are they solely a physiological response as the scientific and medical communities would have us believe? The idea of sleep paralysis being some sort of spiritual experience is too bizarre and woo-woo for the medical and scientific communities to contemplate, except perhaps for the community at the beginning of this episode. They would rather ascribe physiological or psychological labels to it. But what if the truth is that sleep paralysis is a combination of both physiological and spiritual experiences? Perhaps not in all cases, but in a portion of them. Certainly the idea of it being at least in part a spiritual phenomenon has been suppressed and firmly by most researchers, and so it discourages discussion of that possible aspect in society, particularly in academic circles, however, not by all researchers. Dr. David J. Hufford, PhD, Professor Emeritus at the Penn State Medical School in the USA, has this to say about sleep paralysis. Quote, Beginning in college and graduate school, I was particularly interested in the beliefs of ordinary people, especially the ones that were treated as nonsense in the academic world. The academic world treats spiritual belief in general that way. I was interested in alternative medicine at the same time for the same reason. Right from the beginning, I was convinced that ordinary people are smarter, are more sensible than they've been given credit for by scholars, and that traditions that are widespread and deeply held probably have more rational basis and more observation built into them than the theories that I was taught in graduate school. I couldn't believe that all the beliefs of ordinary people that are not part of the academic worldview were nonsense. I have the impression that the academic world might be a little too narrow and that regular people might have something to offer about it through their experience and what they believed about things. There are beliefs that are based on experience that have been dismissed as superstitious beliefs that bear much more investigation. These are experiences that are built into the spiritual traditions all over the world. In the modern Western world, for at least the past 100 years, these phenomena have been explained on the basis of psychopathology. So the discovery that those experiences are common and that they occur among normal people, that they are not in fact indicative of any type of disease, has tremendous importance for medicine. This isn't a new phenomenon. We erase the knowledge of these experiences from the cultural repertoire. End quote. It would appear that almost all of the scientific approaches to sleep paralysis just assume that the things that people see or feel or hear during these experiences are hallucinations and automatically dismiss any other sort of perceptions or thinking about it. In that famous quote from Hamlet, there are more things on heaven and earth, Horatio, than dreamt about in your philosophy. Quantum science, for example, as spoken of in my episode on a glitch in the matrix of holographic reality, shows us that there are definitely other worlds, other dimensions of being that we are not yet able to perceive easily. And yes, in my opinion, there is definitely a non-physical part to science that we are only just beginning to wake up to, as quantum science shows us. I think that it's very possible that the human current level of scientific understanding is not yet advanced enough to explain certain phenomena, so they are classified as hallucinations. Nikola Tesla had this to say, 
the day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. For those listeners who do suffer from these experiences, I'd like to share some tips that others have shared on how to cope with or how to prevent sleep paralysis episodes. Don't let yourself become sleep deprived. Stick to a regular sleep schedule and try to reduce stress and anxiety in your life. Don't take recreational drugs or drink alcohol in the evening. Don't sleep on your back. Stay calm and tell yourself that you're in control. You can order the experience to stop. If you feel a weight on your chest, imagine that there's something friendly causing it. Film yourself sleeping so that you can see there was nothing in the room. Organise your bedroom in a way which makes you feel safe and secure. Sleep with a nightlight, music or radio on. Imagine your body rolling from side to side in your mind and count each roll. Focus on this and from there try to move different parts of your body, wriggle a toe or a finger. Remind yourself that nothing bad will happen. Count numbers so you focus on something else. Squeeze your eyes tightly shut if you can use your eye muscles. Tense all your muscles, even the ones in your fingers and toes, until you can feel movement. It's almost like releasing from a really bad cramp in your foot. Some people, if they are of a religious belief, find that calling on God or praying or commanding whatever they see to leave helps. Use the sleep paralysis to go into lucid dreaming by relaxing and going with the experience instead of fighting it. And finally, once finished, remind yourself that you overcame it and will always overcome it. I'd like to close this episode with another quote from Professor Hufford on sleep paralysis from his website blog, which is linked to this episode's page at www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. He says, Sleep paralysis with the terrifying intruder so frequently present is a spiritual experience, that is, it is an event that is experienced as an encounter with a non-physical being, an extraordinary spiritual experience, ESE. At the same time, it is connected to a neurophysiological event that has been studied scientifically, but the results of scientific study do not explain the spiritual aspects of the event. Similarly, we can associate near-death experiences with cardiac arrest in many, though not all, cases. But we cannot say that NDEs simply are cardiac arrest or that cardiac arrest explains NDEs. Sleep paralysis, NDEs and a variety of other spiritual experiences have strong associations with various physiological states but are not explained by those states because those states do not account for the consistent features of the experience, features perceived as external to the subject. In the same way, we would not say that ordinary experiences are explained by the physical states in which we have them. We assume that ordinary experience is a complex product of internal and external factors. The challenge of ESEs is that they also appear to be complex events that cannot be explained entirely on the basis of subjective internal factors. Perhaps some or all of these features will eventually come to be explained internally, but at present that seems very unlikely.
I want to thank all the members of my Walk in the Shadowlands Facebook group who are kind enough to share their experiences with us. Our bumper music today is called Night Watch by Third Age. If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Or if any of you have any questions, suggestions or any comments you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself or my audience, or if you feel you might be a good fit as a guest on my podcast, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com. Or you can leave a comment on this episode's page on our website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com Check out our Facebook page Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name and our Twitter feed at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes and speaking of upcoming episodes, next is our final episode in the season after which I will be taking a four-week break. But don't despair, I'll leave you with a couple of my most listened to episodes for you to hear again. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on your chosen podcasting platform or on the podcast Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and from iHeartRadio as well. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more, the merrier. Thank you so much for listening today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. 